Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. It's a Thanksgiving edition, episode number 298 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week, the godfather, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? Right now I'm full, but I'm working up the pumpkin pie. Yeah, when we say it's the Thanksgiving edition, we mean it. And this is going to demonstrate exactly how committed we are to providing yes, or, entertainment. Or that we should be committed, one of the two. One of the two. <laughs> we are providing this episode literally on Thanksgiving. We're recording it. Uh, both of us have had our uh, huge Thanksgiving dinners and, and had a good time. And now we're sitting down to provide a little bit of uh, hopefully some entertainment for you. Uh, especially those of you that may be driving over the next few days from visiting family and uh, put us on in the car and and listen to us and hope we don't uh, make you fall asleep. Uh, Not a lot to talk about in terms of actual moves for the Reds this week, but there there were a couple of transactions, things we need to discuss. Uh, Nothing big, Bill. Are you you like me? Are you still waiting for something big to happen? I don't know. Ever since the season ended, I'm on pins and needles waiting for something big to happen. Am I? Yeah, you're kind of waiting for a shoe to drop. I, I think you said it real well. I think it was on Twitter. You said... Some of these moves are kind of interesting, and they, you know, and they, but nothing that moves the needle. Nothing. There's no, there's no difference making moves that have been made yet. Right, right. Uh, some some interesting uh, moves, some things that are designed just for us to talk about, basically, and it shows the Reds are trying to improve a little bit on the margins, maybe. But um, that's the term I've been using. We the Reds have to have a couple of moves that move the needle, that really get this team better. So nothing happened this week, but there were some rumors we'll talk about in just one moment. First, the actual transactions. Earlier this week, the Reds uh, made a, made a one set of moves uh, in in one day. The first of those was they claimed outfielder Nick Martini off waivers from the San Diego Padres, and then that same day they traded for right-handed pitcher Justin Schaefer from the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for cash. That's actual U.S. legal tender, not Reds prospect cash case. So to make room for uh, for Schaefer and Martini, the Reds designated two players for assignment, reliever Jimmy Herget and outfielder Brian O'Grady. More on Brian O'Grady in just one moment. So um, Nick Martini first. Let's, let's talk about him. 29-year-old left-handed hitting outfielder. It doesn't move the needle, but I am of the opinion that he provides a little bit more uh, outfield depth than the Reds would have front gotten for example, from Brian O'Grady. Um, played with the A's 2018 and parts of 2019, then uh, got picked up by the Padres off the waivers. Uh, 2018 hit 296, 397 on base. Actually was on their playoff roster that year. Um, he gets on base, he walks, uh, no power whatsoever. Um, well, not whatsoever. He has a, a, a bit of power, but uh, frankly, he, he hammers right-handed pitchers. Kind of a, a poor man's Jesse Winker. In a lot of ways, he's a he's a decent uh, he's a decent bench bat that uh, you know is a, could you could see being uh, some depth and and could see maybe making the team. He's fine. He's not going to be in the mix to be a starter. Any thoughts on Nick Martini? The only thing that I think when I see moves like this and and, and looking at his numbers is it seems like the ph- ph- philosophy is that they want guys that, that have shown a propensity to get on base. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. We just spent a decade of watching them, uh, you know, try out guys at leadoff who couldn't get on base if they tried. Right. So, again, we're we're going to talk more about Nick Martini than we probably should have, and that we than we would have in any other week that he were, was picked up <laughs> because there's not a lot else going on, and we're still waiting for that big move. But yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any problems with with this uh, with claiming him, especially when it means they have to. Uh, Lose uh, Brian O'Grady. Cause, and I'll go ahead and say what happened was a couple days later, Brian O'Grady was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays for cash and a player to be named later. So Brian O'Grady is is gone now. I'm Some people have said, why would you get rid of Brian O'Grady you know, in favor of this guy? Brian O'Grady's got great power. Eh, O'Grady's been, he's older himself, you know. Um, he'll be, what, 28 this year. He, you know, just made it to the major leagues for the first time. He was pretty bad until uh, the last year, year and a half, you know, he's fine. He hits a lot of home runs, but I'm of the, I'm of the opinion that Martini um, <laughs> makes the Reds marginally better than Brian O'Grady would. Is that fair? Well, and it might be one of those grass is greener kind of deals too, is, you know, they knew they were never going to do anything with O'Grady. 
So we'll take this guy and bring him over, and maybe maybe he'll be able to help us, you know. And, and we really didn't give up much, so we'll see what happens. Uh, one thing about each of those players, Nick Martini, I'm glad he's a red now because of all the dumb uh, Martini shake and not stirred jokes we're going to get on Twitter if he plays for the Reds. That's true. That's true. It's an exciting thing. With O'Grady, does it make you as scared as it makes me any time that uh, you watch the Reds trade with Tampa Bay? Because Tampa Bay, man, they're they're smart. Those guys are playing a different game than the Reds are in general. Does it, does it worry you like it does me when the Reds make trades with the Tampa Bay? Nah. Nah. It doesn't worry me as much as it would have you know, a couple of years ago before the current, uh, uh, Jimmy Herget, uh, reliever, Jimmy Herget has been, uh, designated for assignment. That yeah. kind of surprises me. Yeah, it does me too. Uh, and, and kind of the corresponding move is uh, trading for Justin Schaefer. Let's talk about Justin Schaefer uh, quickly. And then I want to talk about Herget. Uh, Schaefer is a, uh, right-handed pitcher, 27 years old. Uh, it was 27 last year, be 28 next year. Um, he, you know, um, he throws ground balls. Basically, he's a sinker. He's a sinker ball pitcher. Uh, he's fine. He's a he's a reliever. Yeah, you know, he's a guy that you, you can't have too many relievers, I guess. And he's one that's had some success in the major leagues, and I can see it. Uh, is he better than Herget? I guess the Reds made the determination that he is. That's their opinion, and they know more than I do. I guess maybe, but I'm a little surprised given that how many relievers teams need, and that Herget's had such success in the minor leagues. I'm a little I'm a little surprised that he was kind of the odd man out. Is that, is that where you were where you were going with that? Yeah, I really yeah, that's kind of it. He he did you know he kind of been successful almost you know all the way coming up in the red system. Uh, now I don't know whether he's a ground ball pitcher or fly ball pitcher. Maybe that's the difference. Um, and, and as we were talking, the other thing about bringing Schaefer over and some of these guys, these pitchers, was, and we were you and I were talking about this before we started recording this. For the first time in my memory, anyway. I'm excited about them bringing pitchers in because I think we've got a staff now that might actually make them better. <laughs> and when by staff you mean uh, coaching staff? Coaching staff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, with yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, and now with Cal Bodie on board. Well, uh, the whole the whole philosophy of the the, the, the pitching staff and the, the, the front office, at least on the we we've seen it work on the pitching side, and it's, you know they've expanded the concept. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you saw this the other day where Bodie was quoted as saying, you know, their plan is in a few years for other teams to be coming into the Reds organization to, to steal coaches in a few years. And they want to have guys that are so good that other teams want to hire them. Yeah, and I've seen guys like uh, Travis Salchuk who wrote, uh, uh, what's that book? Uh, I can't remember the name of his book now. You all will uh, be able to figure it out as you're listening to this. And I'm sure a bunch of you will tweet at me to tell me what it was. But uh, basically saying that, oh, my goodness, the Reds really are kind of on the cutting edge now. And who would have ever expected the Reds to be on the cutting edge of uh, anything with respect to baseball? I'm um, so excited. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> um, I, really am, I'm so, I really am excited about this. I mean, you know, I've I've been watching the Reds for a long time, and I can remember when they had the you know the the minor league crown jewels, you know, the the crown jewels of the Reds. But you never thought they were really going to get better. And for the first time in my memory, I really think guys can be coached up in our system and get and even at the major league level are going to get better. And I'm I'm so excited about that. And I hope that also carries over to the philosophy on the hitting side. Uh, absolutely, and I, you got to think that it does. It's just a different philosophy in the front office about how to approach it, and, and, and they're years late, probably. And I'm about to give an, uh, an example of that. But uh, Travis Salchik, the book he wrote with uh, Ben Lindbergh was The MVP Machine. And um, if you're one of our uh, supporters at patreon.com slash redlegradio, one of the, the perks you can get is that you can be um, get access to our, our private Slack channel. If you don't know what Slack is, it's basically just a private messaging channel for uh, – you know, um, everybody that's a that's a sub- subscriber at Patreon, a supporter, uh, gets access there, and it's kind of our own little private Twitter, essentially, where we can just talk amongst ourselves. And uh, one of our one of our friends there, Dwight Kelly, posted uh, earlier this week that it just it's uh, it, it it makes you happy about where the Reds are now, and it's kind of what we're just now talking about. But it's also really really sad, and it's from that book, The MVP Machine, and essentially, um, they're talking to. Uh, Tony Singrani. You remember Tony Singrani, former Red? Uh, yep. He worked with a driveline baseball. That's Kyle Bodie's uh, outfit. Um, and um, and worked with Caleb Cotham there, who's Red's assistant pitching coach. And he said, I'm trying to find the quote here. Uh, 
Like Cotham, Singrani visited and swears by driveline, but his fortunes changed most dramatically after he was traded from the Reds to the Dodgers in July 2017, the same month that he hired this agency. In Cincinnati, Singrani says, The support staff was a lot of old-school baseball guys, as opposed to L.A., uh, who are trying to embrace that analytics side. And then it says, Although the Reds shared some information with players, it was bare bones and not tailored to individual skill sets. Quote, We were kind of on our own, Singrani says, adding, it was just like, hopefully you have success. Good luck. I mean, that's, and we're talking, you know, 2000, what, 2017, 2018? Yeah, 2017, when that was the case. Uh, it's kind of scary, but hey, at least, let's not let's not cry about spilled milk, I guess, but uh, be thankful here on Thanksgiving that the Reds are where they are, and they finally moved into the uh, the new century. But yikes, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, you know, when we've talked to minor league players in the past, this isn't anything we didn't hear. They're, they they were never really given a plan to improve from the ball club. You know, they might have been given, you know, you might want to work on this over the winter, you know. Uh, <laughs> old school. Some crotchety old guy like me, you know. All right. But, uh you know, like I said, I, I'm so excited about these changes. And, you know, sure, it's, is it too is it later than it should have been? Yes, it is. But at least we're getting to that. We're getting to a point where people are looking at our team now and going, wow, they're doing some pretty amazing things over there. Yeah, you know, 2018, I can't remember if you were there that day or not. I don't, I'm not sure. But uh, Red Leg Nation, uh, the, the staff of RedLegNation.com got a chance to go and talk to some of the front office guys and hang out there uh, in the front office and, um, and it was an interesting day and, and it was, uh, most of it was off the record, not all of us, but, uh, this, there was one at one point that someone, and I'm not, I'm not, I will, I'll butcher it if I tried to quote it anyway. So, but this essence was a question was asked, you know, what's the process that's in place for the work you all are doing on the analytics side here in the front office and base in uh, the baseball operations, what's the process for communicating that to the players on the field? And really there was no answer to that this is when brian price was manager it was uh, you know they really uh, they kind of stumbled and there was no process in place to do that and so it seems to me that that's been a big part of what the reds are doing now which is trying to communicate these things to these players and you know uh players are going to some players are going to run with it some are not but uh give them every tool at the at the club's disposal to help them be better on the field and so other teams have been doing this for a while uh I don't want to keep beating that, but it's a fact. It's really sad that the Reds have been jockeyed out of half a half a decade here of uh, making progress, but or a full decade really since Moneyball. So, but uh, hey, it's exciting times now. Right, my rant's over. Anything else you want to add about that one? Well, the only thing uh, earlier in the season this year, it came out that the Reds were going to have a plan for every minor league player in a report, you know, in a report and, you know, work with, you know, have individual plans for every minor league player. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah. Individualized. Uh, yeah. And, 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 yeah. I, and I went and asked Matt Clinker about that, what he thought. And Matt Clinker, for those of you that have been with us uh, from the beginning, he's one of our former, what we used to call spotlight players. He made it to AAA for the Reds. And he was really kind about providing, not only on the podcast, but writing for, uh, for Red Leg Nation about his uh, experiences in the Reds system. Uh, great kid. Anyway, go ahead, uh, but but Matt said that for one he kind of and this may have been Jay, you know him being a little jaded because of the time that he played that there wasn't anything like this, but it was the first part was kind of I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing that I felt like he was saying, but the other was, you know if they start using analytics and all this stuff and they, they're sharing that with the players the players can turn around and use that talking to the team you know talking to their managers and stuff saying well you know why did he get called up and I didn't I can look at all the analytics here, and I'm in front of him in every category. That's interesting. So it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's something I, we wouldn't have really necessarily thought about unless you're in that position. Right. Got to be such an interesting uh, thing watching guys get called up, and you know, like I said, Matt made it to AAA, and some guys got called up while he was there, and he didn't. Um, uh, it's got to be a tough thing. God. Yeah, he never made it onto the forty man. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the, that's the key. I mean, ninety nine. You know, I don't say ninety nine percent of the time, but what do you think? Ninety five percent of the time. If you don't, if you're not on the forty man, you really don't have a shot. Yeah, well, if you're not a you know top, you know two three round draft pick, 
Well, it, well I'm, I'm just saying to get called up from the, you know, the guys that get called up, it's not very often they call a guy up that isn't already on the 40. Oh, no, because they've got to make another Because uh, they have move. to make another move. Yeah. yeah. So. And that, that, that's the point I'm making. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and we've talked at length about this in the past is the the guys that are the high draft picks, the ones, two, threes, they're going to get a lot more chances to fail than the guys that were five, six, seven, and down, you know. Yeah. And, and, and guys like Ryan Hannigan, who we've talked about in the past, who wasn't drafted at all, you know, they really have to find somebody that will be in their corner for them to make it like he did. Yeah, it's going to fight for them. Although we'll say yep. this for, for Matt Klinker, he made it to AAA, and so he thus is one of the top, uh, you know, what, uh, one half of 1% of baseball players yep. in the world. <laughs> and, one, and, and, and and that good a guy, too. Yeah, no, fantastic guy. Super guy. Wish him nothing but the best. Now, okay, so so fit, rounding out the uh, transactions for the week was the Brian O'Grady. We don't really need to talk much more about Brian O'Grady getting uh, traded for a player to be named later in cash. Um, except that, you know, Brian O'Brady hit a lot of home runs the last couple of years, but he's going to be 28 and, uh, you know, oh, okay, whatever. Um, well, I mean, where would he fit in here? I mean, that's the, that, that that's the question to me. You know, so you, you trade him for some guy that you think might be. A- yeah. 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 A guy that plays all three. Although, uh, O'Grady, they, they played him around the outfield, I guess, but, um, I don't know. I just, uh, tra- trade him for a guy who's had some success in the big leagues. Um, Neither of them, as we say, move the would move the needle. So, yeah, so he's gone. Um, wish him the best of luck. Now, uh, shifting from, yeah, shifting from actual moves the Reds make. That's it. That's all the moves. No big big moves this week. Uh, but they were the Reds were mentioned in uh, a couple of uh, rumors, speculation, reports uh, in terms of free agent uh, acquisitions. Now, first of those is uh, Zach Wheeler. You all have heard of Zach Wheeler for the Mets. Um, the Reds have been listed in a group of uh, teams that are interested in acquiring uh, Zach Wheeler. You yeah, have any thoughts about uh, really, really good pitcher? The Reds being in on that. Uh, you know, he he'd, he'd help us, but it wouldn't imp- it wouldn't help us in the area where we're weak. It would increase our strength. Or it gives him a you know a, a, a you know an ability to trade somebody else. Uh, It's not. It's not the move I would make. That that I think to to Wheeler, put this team over the top. Eh, maybe no. not. Wheeler, you know, is going to be uh, thirty next year. He's been essentially. He's had, he's had real injury issues, but he has essentially as well been a four win pitcher each of the last two years. Um, he's good. Now, is he going to be worth what uh, he's going to be paid? I don't know. But uh, again, I'll say. Whatever he's going to be paid is the market value for this player. And if the Reds refuse to sign any players who are uh, who they have to pay market value, then they're going to severely limit the uh, the pool of players which they can uh, choose from. Um, I don't know. I, I like Wheeler. the The injury stuff scares me a little bit, but uh, I don't have any problem with the Reds trying to. I think they trying to upgrade pitching. They should be trying to upgrade pitching. But there's they're a, to upgrade but there's a the budget, place. and if and, uh, and know, if the budget is, is the, X. He's going to be, you know, something, you know, from the X, which would mean less money than you could spend on the offensive kind of on the offensive side, and that's my point. True, true, true. But uh, the way I look at it is, preventing runs is um, just as important as scoring runs, and so. Uh, you know, I, if if the way the Reds can improve, they're unable. We already saw them strike out on getting Grandall. If the way they can improve the most is by just making that pitching staff that much better. Yeah, but, but if you may, if you if you pick way, up a really so, good starter, he's a really good starter. It, he's going to help you once every five days. An offensive guy is going to help you every day. <laughs> Not necessarily. Did you see Jose Iglesias this year? Yes, you are. Your, your Twitter's oh, lighting up right now, even as you speak. tweets about that one. It is. Um, it's interesting. To me, it's interesting in the in the fact that uh, just the point is that the Reds should be trying to upgrade pitching as well. We all want to say, "Oh, they got a great pitching staff," and they do have a pretty good pitching staff. It's going to be should be one of the better ones in the league. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be. Uh, Looking to improve it if they can. Um, if, I will. I will be surprised if we ever see Zach Wheeler in a Reds uniform. But you know, who knows? 
Um, the other guy was Marcel Ozuna, an outfielder. Um, obviously, he's with the. Uh, I'm going to say I, I hate try not to say this name on the podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. He was with the St. Louis Cardinals, um, and he's uh, you know he's projected by Major League Baseball trade rumors for a three year deal at 45 million total. So you know um, that's a lot, but it's you know it's not a lot depending on uh, who you're talking about. He didn't have a great season last year, but he's had a, he'll be 29 next year. He's likely not to uh, regress much uh, over the course of a three- to five-year deal. Um, and as recently as 2017, he was a six-win player. So, you know, um, I think he's another guy that how much it moves the needle, I don't know. But I do think that uh, Marcelo Zuna makes the Reds better. And that's that's what I'm looking at. Um, Your thoughts on Marcelo Zuna? I don't know. I, I don't think he's a sure thing to be better than what we have. You do. Uh, okay. The, the, Expand the, on that if you could. Uh, you know. You don't, you don't. It depends on whether you believe Aquino is going to get any better. Um. It depends on whether you believe that a winker and um, the other name just ran out of my head. And Philip Irvin platoon Philip would Irvin. work. Um, I don't think Azuna plays center field, does he? Yeah. So, you know. I, nah, he's not going to play center field. I, no. And it depends on whether the Reds believe that he's better than, than – you know, but but I, as you've said before, you you can't expecting what you already have to get better isn't a, a recipe to to succeed. But I'm not sure that Azuna is yeah. better than what they have. Hope is not a strategy. Um, this outfield is really sort of a strange beast. Uh, I th- I think that Ozuna certainly improves the team. I think you probably have to move Winker to uh, to right field if you get Ozuna, because he's been almost primarily, almost exclusively a left fielder uh, recently. Uh, he did play a lot of center field earlier in his career, but he's not played a lot. Uh, well, 2016, he played a lot of center field, but not since then. Uh, so, I, you know, he and, and he's, he's won gold gloves in left field. So, I think he's probably your left fielder, and I think you have. What about we talk about the Irvin Winker platoon? What about an Aquino Winker platoon? I, I'm a little more interested in that. You put them in both in right field, platoon them, uh, and uh, you know, let Aquino do his thing against lefties, and let Winker do his things against righties. That that's probably a pretty good. Now uh, defensively, Winker's not going to be good, no matter where you put him, but. Um, I get the sense that we are underestimating what Jesse Winker can provide. Well, I've got, I, I've got I two things to say to that. One is, I've said, kid. and I like you know, I'm a big fan of Jesse Winkers. I really like him. He's a nice kid, blah blah blah. But he can't. He hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. You know, you can't help the club when you're in the tub. Um, <laughs> that's true. And, and and I believe that if there is some kind of deal, and, and, and I believe the Reds are going to make some kind of deal at some point, I feel like Jesse Winker will be a part of that deal. And I don't know why I think that. I just do. I know. It's just, it's just a gut feeling. While, I, and, I have uh, no logical reason for believing it. I feel, uh, you know, the injury thing with Winker is is a real thing. I mean, you know, he's not played a full season in the big leagues. Uh, but when he's been on the field, he has been really good against right-handed pitching. Um, I mean, we're talking about a 380 on-base percentage in his career at this point. I mean, he's uh, uh, with, with some pop even, you know. He's hit better uh, with more power than people expected. Jesse Winker is a legitimate, well above average big league hitter if you kind of limit him to hitting against the right-handed pitchers. So I can't, uh, you know, I can't suggest that the Reds should hope for him to be healthy 
But on the other hand, I think the Reds should consider Jesse Winker to be in the mix if he's not part of some kind of a, a trade at some point, because Jesse Winker is, he's a real hitter. I mean, he's a really, really good hitter. He is a, he'll just be 26 this year. And he, there's every reason to believe he, you know, he could be a, a, a legitimate, a legitimate star hitter in the big leagues. I really believe that. Now he's never going to hit against right-handers. So you got to watch, you got to watch that. But, uh, but he's really that good and people don't really realize it. Um, I like the idea of signing a guy to play left field and letting Winker be your primary right fielder along with uh, Keno against lefties. Um, I think that's a could be a pretty good pretty good outfielder. And you got Philip Urban in the mix for when uh, you know somebody gets hurt. Uh, you know, let Philip Urban be your backup that can play all three outfield positions and uh, can just do Philip Urban things. So I, I'm okay with going with if the Reds only are able to acquire one outfielder. I'm okay with uh, figuring out how to how to mix and match all those guys. But as long as Jesse Winker's on this team, he has to. Yeah, he be should be playing every day against right-handed. You know, Four hundred at bats. I mean, right-handed pitching for the Reds. That, Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. no reason not to. I mean, he's the only, the only thing he'll be one of your the only better. Thing I wanted to say to what um, you said about the uh, Kino. Really you know, I'm looking at Aquino splits now. This is just from last year, and he doesn't really have splits on any of the the regular numbers. But his power, he, he hit 15 of his 19 home runs off right-handed pitching. And he, but he, well, but, I, he, I but he played. Probably. He played 24 games bats came against, right against left-handed pitching and 54 against right-handed pitching. So twice as many, but he hit four times as many home runs. Well, you know, I, I haven't looked at the splits. I just, uh, I think that counting on Aquino to be. I agree. The Aquino we saw in August of last year is a fool's game. I think the Reds really, I mean, you know, I, what what I would like to see the Reds do is really upgrade the outfield big time, and then if Aquino just overwhelms everybody and, and just forces his way into the lineup because he's so yep, good, you got you got, got, you, then, you got okay, a nugget you, got a you can trade. There. But let's not count. Right, yeah, right, yeah, somebody, yeah. Um, either him or someone else. I mean, uh, I'm just not I'm just not counting. I, I love the old, <laughs> I love the guy. I think he's just fun, and uh, I love his. Yeah, you sure feel like power, it. But you have to believe it was on. lightning in a bottle. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Although you know, you do, but the argument for him is that well, he hit really well for a, a long time, and it all came after this. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before. It came after a specific change in his swing that they found something, and uh, so maybe he's just, he really is a different player. But yikes, I'm this is a. Uh, it's a major league team, and I'm not willing to sort of hand any position over to a guy with a profile of Aristides Aquino um, until he until he really overwhelms us so much that we have to give it to him. So, all right. So we've gone through the um, transactions, the actual transactions, which were eh, whatever. We've gone through some of the uh, the hot stove rumors that have been out there, and now there's one where we're kind of trying to create a rumor. Uh, in some ways, and, and Doug Gray wrote about it at the Red Leg Nation, but um, Baltimore Orioles placed uh, infielder Jonathan VR on waivers this year. And um, you all probably remember him uh, most for his time in Milwaukee when they played against the Reds a lot. He's, uh, you know, uh, he plays second base and shortstop, mostly a second base, second baseman lately, but, he, you know, he did play well, he played 97 games uh, at shortstop for uh, the Orioles last year, so he's you know he can play both. He's essentially he was a four-win player last year, um, and they put him on waivers because he has one year left in our arbitration. Uh, again, he'll be 29 next year, and he's probably going to make they expect around 10 million. And the uh, Orioles weren't willing to uh, to risk paying 10 million dollars to a guy that was a four-win player last year. Now. Uh, a lot of us have been saying the Reds absolutely, absolutely should be uh, trying to trade for him at, right now. If he ends up getting waived, some team in the American League gets first did and somebody will claim him. But if if they pull him back to try to work out a trade with someone because teams have reached out to him, the Reds ab- absolutely should have already made a trade offer for Jonathan VR because, uh, again, you get a guy who uh, has been a four-win player a couple seasons in his career, um, 
you know, had some injuries, uh, I guess, and had a, had a down year or two there as well. So who knows what he is. He may be more of a two-and-a-half to three-win player. But still, that's a guy that makes the Reds better. Uh, I put him at shortstop or second base, depending on if you can get Didi Gregorius, and he makes the Reds better. I, so, I'm, I, give me thoughts you on said Reds everything I was VR. thinking. I, you know, he's, he's had really good years, and he's had mediocre years. And a mediocre year for him is, you know, like a two-and-a-half win or war, you know, win rate, and that ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about this a guy who, you know, I'd pay him ten million. The Reds need a middle infielder. This is well, a and middle you infielder. really think you can get you know, somebody that's going to be so, better than um, what they have? I don't know. That's going to be cheaper than ten million. I, right. You know, cheaper than ten million. I can't see. I can't imagine it. Um, Didi Gregorius may be the only guy that's out there right now in terms of free agency that. Uh, could potentially be better than that, but, but, but even with him, maybe not. And look what the Reds currently have in their middle infield right now. VR's got to be better than either Freddie Galvis or Josh Van Meter or Jose Peraza or... Well, the, if, if you can't remember them, they probably the, the aren't very important. For... <laughs> exactly. I'm of the opinion that Van Meter's an interesting guy, uh, kind of out of the Aquino mold, that... Yeah, he might be able to overwhelm people and 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 t- take it. I think more likely he's. Well, I'm not ready to give up on his uh, the idea that he could be a, a starter. He's still young enough, but uh, I think uh, VR is much more of a, a sure thing than anybody the Reds have currently in the fold, either shortstop or second base. Sign VR or trade for VR. Sign Didi Gregorius, and you know you're pretty good up the middle. All of a sudden, it's it becomes kind of a a strength of the team, and. Uh, you know, make one trade for an outfielder, and, and let's go to work. Like, like I, I said, I, I keep waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, I'm waiting for. I keep waiting for something to happen. <laughs> they have to do something. Ugh. Well, then, or, then they're going to have they, to be eating a lot of crow. Don't. You know, in the spring because they're talking about spending all this money and making changes and being competitive. And there's no way this team is is truly competitive without making moves. Yeah, they're bi- they're just biding their time until they can announce. That's exactly. The, uh, the they're going to announce it at, at Reds Fest. Sure. They're going to bring him in, you know, lights, sure you know, fireworks, and oh, it's, it'll be it'll be wonderful. It's going to be glorious. Can't wait. <laughs> All right, that's about it. Uh, one other little. It's not really news, but something that I thought was worth noting uh, at theAthletic.com. Jason Stark, baseball national writer, baseball writer Jason Stark. Handed out his uh, All Decade Awards for the 2010s. National League Player of the 2010s. Real... No, I don't. Th- I think you got that wrong. Billy Hamilton. Unless, I, I don't think you got that right. There you go. Oh, let me check my notes. Oh, you're right. Joey Votto, Canadian first baseman, jo- Joey Votto. Um, that's not surprising. He was number two on the Players of the Decade Mr. list Trout. behind, obviously. Mike Trout. Yeah. Two major leaguers in the decade. Hit at least 300 with a 400 on base and 500 slugging. 300, 400, 500. Votto and Trout. I, I, I would trade Joey Votto um, for Mike Trout, though. By, going by yeah, I, would. I know I you am. You would? I'm a terrible yes, person. God. I wouldn't trade Votto for anyone. Ever. I would let him he died continue at first starting for the Reds until... <laughs> He's out there on a he, walker. He's out there on a yes. walker. Um, at age, <laughs> yeah, 104 years old. You got to listen. When Joey Votto's 104 years old, he's probably still going to at least be able to get on base. <laughs> hey, he's a know, free agent. Billy Hamilton. So that's a southern thing. He isn't is. It? Bless his heart. Bless um, heart. Bless his little heart. <laughs> um. So anyway, Joey Votto, National League Player of the Decade. Congratulations! I'm, look, I'm looking while we're talking. I'm looking at Mike, Mike Trout on Baseball Reference, and you know what? There's a lot of bold in his bat, standard it's batting. Fun to watch. Thing. Yeah, you know, hard. there's a lot of bold print. <laughs> in fact, it may be the most bold print I've ever seen on a you know, on a guy that's only been playing in the big leagues for like nine years. 
Yeah, baseball reference, if you haven't uh, spent much time there, they put the league leader in any category. It's, in <laughs> it's bold crazy to look at. Trout is just... Well, look at this. Uh, in, the dec in the decade of the 2010s, uh, Joey Votto had 48.1 wins above replacement. Uh, Mike Trout, 73.4. And, and as Doug Gray noted at Red Leg Nation, um, Trout only played 40 games in the first two years of the decade. <laughs> I mean, it's just, if you don't know it, you need to go watch Mike Trout because we are probably... This is not hyperbole. We are probably watching the greatest player in the history of baseball. Baseball has a long history. I mean, well, I, I, he's he's up there with everyone. Yeah, talking with about the talking Mazes about the bold the right here. The, I, I just whoever he's, pull up, look at Mike Trout's, and then go and look at whoever, whatever inner circle Hall of Fame guy you want to think of: Frank Robinson, Willie Mays, any of them. There's not as much bold on their. <laughs> On their page is there is on Mike Trout's. Willie Mays is almost close, but it's not as much. What's What's funny to me is that over the last uh, two three years here, for some reason, it's not well, it's on purpose, but it's become kind of a, uh, I know, a well, running gag. I've got a man, talk about Mike, Mike Trout. Trout. I readily admit, I, I reason, do. But but we do. Could you imagine if he oh, played he's just, he's, he's for, amazing the, for the Dodgers if there's or played for the Yankees and the Mets? I mean, could you? He would be on everything. No, I can't. I can't imagine. He would, you know, he'd be on all the all, every television, every yeah endorsement in the universe. Uh, it, 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 well, you would you wouldn't like him anymore because you'd see him so much. Yeah, be overexposed. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no question. I mean, he's... he's won, uh, what's he's he won now? Three MVPs and then second one, two, three, anyway. four times. I know he got he robbed got, at least one. He once, got robbed three other sure. times of MVPs. But... So... But we're, I'm sorry, but we're and that was my to, fault. We're I trying to brag on Joey Votto, and we, we got off track. Yay, Joey. Congratulations to Joey. Yay, Joey Votto. Yeah. <laughs> um... Doug Gray also noted about Joey that during the decade of the 2010s, Joey Votto walked 1,046 times, and uh, only one player was within 200 walks of that number, and only four <laughs> players were within 400 walks of that number. He's special. It's really he's. Well, you know, again, you know, he didn't get signed. They didn't sign him that big money to walk. Yeah, really. Make all right, so that's all the news that we could uh, either uh, either actual news or news that we could uh, yeah, make up uh, rumors. So we, it's Thanksgiving, and traditionally we try around this time to talk about some things we're thankful about with the Reds. And I don't know, you know, it's been a rough time to be a Reds fan. So we're going to go in a slightly different direction. And, and I wanted to talk about our favorite players. And we kind of dance around this topic often because we're fans. We readily admit that we're lifelong fans but um i wanted to i wanted to each of us to pick our top five favorite reds of all time these aren't the best reds of all time necessarily um well let's let's start at number five we'll start at number five and then we'll work out because we didn't uh, talk about it okay i okay, so gotta, I, I gotta rank mine, them here so. let me let me quickly and let me rank mine really quickly and see um man that's, that's pretty tough um all right, I'm, I'm I'm ranking. Why don't you go ahead and my say number your number five, number five and talk about your number five while I'm ranking um, mine? He was so much fun to watch. I mean, you never knew what you were going to get. What get? You knew it was going to be one of three things. Um, but a great personality. Uh, <laughs> seemed like a fun guy. You know, my favorite story was about about Dunn was when he drove Junior's car to a spring training game in Tampa and he parked it in George Steinbrenner's spot and somebody asked him about it. He said, I didn't care. It's not my car. <laughs> um, the, the shame was that there weren't enough people that, that uh, appreciated the things that he did and, and concentrated on the things that he didn't do well. But he, he was, he's my number five. 
uh, he's, uh, he's also on my list. So I'll save my comments for when we get to him on, uh, on my list. Adam Dunn did make it yep. into my top five, which will surprise no one. My number five, this one may surprise me. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast very long. It won't surprise you. Um, Mario Soto. Mario Soto was my favorite red when I first became a Reds fan. Um, he was the guy that he's really at that time, this was the early eighties when they were kind of awful and he was really just about the only good red, but, uh, you know, he won uh, 17 and 18 games in 83 and 84. And I just, you know, I was a kid, barely knew what was going on other than what it said on his baseball card. Um, 18 complete games in 1983 led the league. Uh, he was, he was the Reds all-star. He was just, I don't know. There was something about Mario Soto and that incredible circle change that helped me to fall in love with and a really fought, bad red who fought him that circle change uh, at that time. Uh, he was, he was my guy, Joe Nuxall. who did, I don't know. The old left-hander taught him that circle change. Oh, the old left-hander. Well, Soto was a right-hander, but he's in the Reds hall of fame. He's uh, an underrated pitcher in Reds history in a lot of ways. And, and I don't know. I just, I think, I, I think because, I became came of age as a Reds fan just after the Big Red Machine, and and I heard a lot about the Big Red Machine, this and that. Soto wasn't the, a Big Red Machine guy, so he was he was kind of my guy, and uh, you know I just I, I'm always going to have fond feelings uh, about Mario Soto just because I felt like he was underrated and because he was my first favorite uh, favorite Red. So well, he kept Mario Chris Walsh Soto. from making the team Mario one Soto. year. He, uh, they thought they thought Soto was going to go on the DL. You, you've heard Chris tell this story, you know, when he's been on before. Chris thought he had the team made, and because they thought Soto was going on the DL, and Chris's equipment was on the truck, and they they had to go get it off the truck because he was going to AAA because Soto wasn't going on the DL. <laughs> well, Welsh will readily concede that although Welsh had a, uh, you know, he made to the big leagues and had a career in the big no. leagues, but uh, he was not Mario Soto. So, uh, but I, no, he didn't. I, I presume that Soto did not I make no your pictures on my top list. five. Um, so, I love Mario. Why I do you hate Mario, Mario Soto, Soto though? That's the question. I was a resolve. big fan of Mario Soto. Uh, underrated he's a forgotten, and kind of he's, like a, he's a, a one of those guys that got, days, got lost like. in the sauce because he played on really bad teams but he was a really good pitcher didn't he come didn't he come within one pitch of a yeah, no hitter no doubt all right against the Cardinals. am i thinking of the right guy maybe that's what maybe that's what i'm Ron thinking Robinson. Thought, yeah. anyway yes they would i don't know I don't know. Somebody will tell us. Number four is um, Barry Larkin. Number four on your list. Who you got? Uh, Barry Larkin, also on my list. So I'll let you go ahead and talk. Just a fan. Just a consummate great player, defense, offense, Cincinnati guy. And, and I'm prejudiced to the Cincinnati guys. I readily admit that. Uh, great family. Uh, we know his brother a little bit. We've met his brother a few times. It's a, I met his dad one time. Uh just a great player, captain of the Reds, uh, leader. Uh, I don't know what all you can say, but what else you can, you know, what you can't say about Barry Larkin. It's just a great, a great player. Absolutely. And again, he is in my top five. Well, I'll talk about him a little bit and we get up to him in a moment. My number four, and this was kind of out of the same mold as Mario Soto in some ways, in that it's kind of a, you know, a childhood relic that I'm hanging on to a little bit. Chris Sabo. Um, I was a teenager when Chris Sabo emerged on the scene <laughs> and he was true. just <laughs> different. I mean, he just, and you remember it, 88, he kind of lit the city of fire in a lot of ways, you know, um, one rookie of the year, uh, made the all-star team and, uh, he just did it his own way. Drove a 1983 Ford Escort, <laughs> you know, um, forever. Yeah. Just, well, I still ran while I get something else. I don't know. Just. Uh, kind of a workmanlike guy who played really hard. He's the, the, he's the type of guy that would appeal to Cincinnati, certainly, but, um, and, and probably a little overrated. Uh, we talked about Soto being underrated, probably a little overrated in the minds of a lot of Reds fans, but I just remember that his rookie year and, um, obviously the fact that he continued on to be a key part of a World Series team, but I just, that 1988 season when I was, like I said, a teenager and, 
really, really into the Reds, and he was just, uh, you know, he was just a, he was fun to watch, and uh, the baseball world was talking about him, so it didn't, that didn't often happen uh, for Reds players to be talked about, uh, you know, in some of the, the sporting news and the national publications, things like that. So Chris Sabo, you know, and his speech as the Reds, after the Reds won the, at Fountain Square, after the Reds won the World Series, is completely it's it's immortal it's an epic speech if you di- haven't seen it go to youtube and watch it now because it's amazing it's a work of art so chris Sabo. No, and it's funny my memory on chris Sabo is, is is wrong because i was thinking that they started out the year and billy doran was the starting third baseman and then he got hurt and Sabo came in and took over but i'm just looking at the beginning of the 88 season he was the opening day starter at third base No, what's okay, Buddy Bell. Okay, Buddy I got Bell the wrong guy, but but he must have got hurt in training. And, and he, okay, he got hurt. He got hurt in spring training, and so Sabo made the team, and then yeah, Bell never got his kind of got Wally pipped there. Never got his spot back. For so, me, that's Joe Sabo. Morgan. All right, number uh, three, seventy six or seventy five and seventy six. He's the best player I've ever seen play every that I got to see every day. You know. Uh, if you want to see something incredible, you know, we were talking about Trout earlier, but look at Morgan's numbers in 75 and 76, especially 76. Holy crap. You know, 444 on base and a 576 slugging. Played gold glove defense. Uh, just, he did everything. He played defense, stole bases. In a day when, when, it was a different game than what we see today. Speed and defense were, were much more a part of the game, you know, in the seventies than they are now. And, and personally, I missed that. But but those two years, he was incredible. And well, the best player on yeah. they didn't know, call him the great the biggest dynasties in the the history of baseball. Right, and he was the best player. I mean, I think that you know you can make some arguments over who it was, but I think the consensus would be that Joe Morgan was. I mean, won MVP both those years, and that's yep. not bad for a guy that was four foot two. <laughs> so, if I, if I had to list a guy that I really wish I'd gotten to see play, um, Joe Morgan would have been at the top of that list. And you know, I think I saw him maybe on a game of the week in his last year. Uh, you know, when he was with Oakland or somebody. So I guess I may have seen him play. Yeah, his, but I would, his I would last year, he Joe played until he was 40. Because he was, like you said, he was in Oakland. He played 116 games. His OPS plus yeah. was still 104. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, you know, I don't think there was any doubt when he was eligible whether he was going in or not. No, no, no. Inner circle. Inner circle, maybe the best second baseman of all time. My number three on my list of five favorite Reds of all time, I know, Joseph I knew Daniel Votto. Joey Votto. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, he's just, we've talked about him just a moment ago. I don't know. He uh, He's such consistent excellence from almost the time he came up, uh, you know, to today. He's, just, uh, he's been a joy to watch, and um, I, I have nothing bad to say about uh, Joey Votto. So jo- I won't, we've beaten Joey Votto to death. So, um, we won't say I struggled between my one and number two. two. Who you got? They could have they, they could have flip flopped either way, but my number two is is Mr. Bench. Um, Johnny Bench. I used to be able I used to be able to, to imitate Johnny's swing at the plate. You know, he's real upright, and he just swing with his wrist. You know, his practice swings. You know, and speaking of excellence between offense and defense, and and and. You know the ability to hit under pressure and, and big hits and, and big games and I was I was reading something in uh, in uh, Big Red Dynasty the other day and uh, it was Joe Morgan talking about and I can't even remember where he said where he said it was what when it was and he said that Bench made a throw one time Gary Nolan was pitching and had a, a Nolan had a big high leg big high slow leg kick and the ball was kind of down. And by the time Bench caught it, Morgan was going to second base and starting to wave his hands to tell him don't even bother to throw because the guy was, you know, had such a jump. And more and Bench cranked the ball out of there. Morgan put his glove down right at the corner of the bag, and the ball hit in his glove as the guy slid into his glove into 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 his glove. And Morgan said he never seen a throw like that in his life. 
and never did again. I, he said it was incredible. And the thing that a lot of people don't know about Bench was after the, late in the 72 season, they found a lesion on Bench's lung. And he played the last month and a half of the season knowing that he was going to have to have open heart surgery. You know, they were going to have to crack his chest to, to take this lesion out after the thing. And, he, and he, by his own admission, after the 72 season, he was never the same player again. So you wonder how good he could have been. Yeah, and he was only, I think, twenty-four because yeah, he'd already won two MVPs by that point. Yeah, he did all right. Yeah, he's still pretty good <laughs> after that. But yeah. yeah, he's always said that, and I think the numbers kind of bear that out a little bit. But uh, yeah, force of nature. Uh, I no. almost got to see him play live once. Did I ever tell you that story? Yeah, nine-year-old Chad. Did, did they win that night? Wayne Kranchicki instead. Anyway, my well, number two. Uh, they did win. They did win. Is Gary yeah, Reedus, Gary Reedus stole home, and they won. Um, he didn't. He narrowly missed my list. Cal Gary Daniels Reedus. is the Eddie one that Milmer narrowly also missed narrowly missed my list. He, he could hit. Oh, Cal Daniels. Um, number two, he could. No question. Number two on my list. We've already mentioned. Speaking of, That's he could hit, hard. and it's Adam Dunn. You know, uh, Dunner. I've had this thing, I think, uh, over the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years with the Reds where I kind of tend to relate to guys that I feel like are underappreciated. Um, Dunn was obviously one of those. Edwin Encarnacion was another one of those. I was always a big Edwin guy because I thought, oh, this guy, he's better than everybody says. Um, and he didn't necessarily show it when he, when he was with Cincinnati, but he later on went to do that. Adam Dunn was just a guy, like you said earlier, it really frustrated me how people – hassled him so much over the things that he couldn't do well. And there were things he could not do well. Um, but the things that he did well were among the best in the history of baseball or of the Reds. I mean, you know, he's uh, and, and it walks and, and OPS and uh, home runs. You wonder whether he'd be more appreciated in now. History. So, yes, he was a hey, – maybe, maybe in the, in the current environment, but – uh, the fact of the matter was he had flaws as a player, but he was also a very good player with a an outsized personality. And I just, I just, I'm, I was surprised kind of that he came in number two on, on my list uh, of my favorite players of all time because I just, I have a, such a fondness for what he yep. meant in terms of just fun, you know, baseball supposed to be fun. And uh, he tried to have fun every day, uh, certainly while he was with Cincinnati. It may have been a slog letter in his career, but uh, I have nothing bad to say about Adam Dunn. And uh, we devoted a chapter to Dunn in the book because I kind of insisted on it. He's just well. The, he's the other the thing I like about Dunn, like about Dunn, and, and so, I, in retrospect, thinking about this is I've heard John Fay and a couple of the other sports writers say that good day or bad day, whether he hit the winning home run or struck out in the bottom of the ninth. Dunn was always standing in front of his locker, willing to talk to the reporters, you know, no matter what, no matter whether he had a great day or a bad day. And, and that's a stand-up guy. Yeah, no question about it. No question. So, number one, favorite Doug player Gray of all time. his teeth here. Who's yours, Bill? Peter Edward Rose. <laughs> had a, had Not a for his personality, good, even though when I, when I met Pete, when I was a kid, in like 64 or 65 or whenever it was, he couldn't have been nicer to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses for Pete's issues, but I will say this, and this is mostly about his, his tenure before he left the Reds, not way after he came back. Nobody on that team played harder. Nobody on that team was a bigger leader. Uh, by any measure, he was the leader in the Reds clubhouse uh, from, you know, being the guy that, that, that ran the clubhouse to welcoming new players to the to the team. Uh, both George Foster and Joe Morgan have been quoted as saying Pete Rose was the first guy that, you know, that welcomed the team and said, if you need anything, let me know. Uh, I know he, I know when Morgan came over in 72. Uh, Rose said, you know, if you need any help finding a place to live or anything like that, either here, you know, this was in Tampa, when they were, or back home in Cincinnati, he said, you let me know. And that Morgan was genuinely moved by the, the gesture. Um, you never felt like Rose took a day off. 
you know, he played almost every game every year. He gave 150% every pitch. Uh, I just liked watching the guy play. And, and I, I always say, how many of the all-time greats would have changed positions to help their team like Rose did? Uh, you know, when he came back as manager, you can make all the arguments he's playing himself when he shouldn't have and blah, blah, blah. Though it helped bring people into ballpark. More people were going to come in to watch that team play, I think, with Pete Rose than they would have with Nick Ososki, but that's debatable. But uh, I always enjoyed watching Rose play. You know, there there is ample evidence, an abundance of evidence, that off the field uh, he is just a not a really great guy. Um, just in terms of the way he's conducted his personal life and, uh, you know, uh, but if we're talking strictly baseball, uh, for a long time, I used to make the argument that Pete Rose was overrated because there, no. and there still are people that argue he's the greatest hitter of all time, you know, hit, hit King and all that. Um, but I think it's kind of come back around now where he's kind of a, a little bit underrated. When you go look at, at what he go, go look at his baseball reference page. And again, talking strictly baseball. It's kind of uh, it's kind of amazing the numbers he was able to put up and play in so many different positions and um, and that doesn't talk about the leadership stuff that you mentioned that everybody talks about with the big red machine um, you know I don't yep. want him in my home necessarily I, you know I don't want to uh, spend much time with him but um, I could say that about a lot of athletes that's not you know we're, we're talking about uh, baseball on the field and on the field he was a force of nature he and he and there's a reason why he was so popular and remains so popular in cincinnati and why people are willing to uh overlook um you know the the, the, the other the field th- stuff the other thing with with, with pete and I, I should have said this before but yeah, and I, mean, I didn't think of it I, I admit that i'm a cincinnati centric guy and he went to the same high school i did but the, the big thing that, that always drew me to watching pete rose or being a pete rose fan was i grew up without a whole lot of ability I got when I played sports, I, I got by on hustle and, and and effort, and that's what I that's why what drew me to Pete Rose because he's the same way. He didn't have the natural talent that most many 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 people have. He made himself into a good a good to great player, and that's that's what's at the heart of why he was and remains so popular in since yep. days because everybody felt like hey you know he's he's one of us. In some ways, you know, I, you know, he's like me, kind of. So, um, from a strictly baseball standpoint, um, he really had a remarkable, remarkable career, and uh, you know, he's an inner circle, uh, inner circle Reds type guy. Um, probably would have already been in the Baseball Hall of Fame if he just shut his mouth and uh, not keep talking every time there was a groundswell for him. My number one, we've already mentioned here today, uh, another Cincinnati guy. But it's Barry Larkin, you know. I, I put too much thought into things like this because the Reds have been such a big part of, of both of our lives. But um, I always tend to gravitate towards one player. And Barry Larkin is the the first guy, and maybe this is why Joey Votto made it as high on his list, this list as he did, but he's the guy who I, the first guy that I saw play from rookie all the way through his whole career. And he was a red, but, but that I got to experience his whole career, you know, um, as a fan and just having a guy like that, who was one of the greatest players in all of baseball, who was as devoted to the reds as I was in a lot of ways, a Cincinnati guy, you know, and he was the captain played his whole career and was just, uh, an elite player and just, comported himself with such dignity and, and, and grace all the time. You know, he just, I don't know. He, he, he just seemed like he was a guy that I was proud to have as the, the best player on, on my team. And at some point during his career, just, he became, um, it became, there came a point when I'm just not sure there'll ever be a player that I really would consider my all time favorite player more than, than Barry Larkin. Uh, and, and some of that is, uh, what he did on the field, obviously Hall of Famer, but also I don't know. I just think it's because he he was the first real superstar that, whose whose whole career I got to watch and be, be a fan of for his entire career. So, nope. um, again, a lot of this we're talking about favor. We're not talking about best. 
a lot of this is personal to each of us and that's why we have our list and so that's why larkin is is on my list so uh, obviously my list was better than yours though that's, that's nuts not, that's is not what that is objective <laughs> <laughs> well uh that's uh that's not the first time i've been accused of that all right any it's any pumpkin final pie thoughts? time man Will it's we, pumpkin uh, pie time put the uh, finishing touches on this pumpkin pie it's pumpkin pie time <laughs> Um, okay. Well, uh, this is a uh, red leg nation radio episode number 298. Um, I'm Chad Dotson. He's Bill Lack. You can find us wherever you want to find us, uh, on the interwebs. We're at redlegnation.com. Uh, Every day you can find us uh, at red leg radio on Twitter. You can subscribe everywhere you get your podcast. You heard me do this spiel before. Go give us a rating review. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep, keep your mouth shut. Um, Bill's going okay, to get bye. some, uh, some pumpkin pie, and so I guess I'm just going to go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and end this one for Bill Lack and uh, let's see, Tom Servo. This is Chad Dotson saying, "So long, everyone." Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.